Sam. I'm Adam. And today we're venturing back into the vast world of Opeth to talk about their 1999 Opus Still Life. Woo! We lot of lot of big things about this album this is a big album for a lot of reasons um and we're gonna yeah, get into a lot that. of people yeah but before that we gotta talk about what we've been listening to Woo! um <laughs> we've been, I've, been, I've been listening to a lot of music at least so yeah, i've been listening to a decent amount not as much uh hollywood and dead as i'd like but yeah you know no, our listening habits can't be perfect exactly right? do you want to start or do you want me to start uh you know, let's talk about this Madison Beer album. Alright, we can talk about the Madison Beer album. Well, um, I reviewed this brand new Madison Beer album, Life Support, for the uh, the, uh, the the blog, so you can read that article uh, on there now, but um, I don't know, it's okay. Yeah, it's, got... that's, it's like perfectly mid. Like, this is one of those rare 5 out of 10s. It's It's got, um, it's got some good stuff, it's got some bad stuff. And it's got some interesting ideas. I will say I will listen to the next Madison Beer album when it comes out. Because I am interested to see what she's going to do. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very cynical whenever we talk <laughs> about, like, <laughs> the mainstream pop apparatus. Right. We like to remove ourselves from it. But uh, I don't know. It's I'm sort of surprised that Madison Beer hasn't had any like super mainstream success. Yeah, like she's been bubbling directly underground for a long time. Like she has a crazy social media presence. She's very conventionally attractive. She has she's like comes from a very wealthy background, so she's had the industry push for a long time. And it's just sort of interesting to see like if any of the songs here will like result in like mainstream success. You know. I mean, I know that some people already, like, know who this record is. I mean, like, I was talking to my roommate, and, you know, she was listening to one of the songs, and I was like, lol. This is yeah, even well, the I best mean... song in the album. You <laughs> no, know definitely, what I mean? Uh, the White Rabbit's probably the best song in the album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've been, I've been following her career with a passing interest. Um, and this is her major label debut. Yeah. She's definitely a talented vocalist. Uh, it's I don't know; these songs just aren't amazing. Yeah, no, there there certainly needs to be a little bit more originality to her sound. She's taking from the Billie Eilish or uh, Ariana Grande um, camp a little mm-hmm. hard. Well, She's... I mean, I'm just I just feel like one of the things that like really makes Ariana Grande like such a a force is that like every single one of her records is done by fucking max martin of all people mm-hmm. and like madison beer doesn't have that no. but she i mean she's clearly talented and she clearly has a like at least some points of originality yeah and i don't know yeah like i said we'll see if this manifests in anything and we'll see if her next album's actually good we will see that indeed um but on to better music um I don't know. There's, a, there's, there's, a, Dude, there's this there's Paranorm a album is sickeningly good. <laughs> I know. Right? It's sickeningly good. Who needs, who needs, who needs Vector anyway, dude? We have Paranorm. Never now. heard of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, these two new Vector singles kind of suck. I think they're okay, but I think they're pretty run of the mill. Then these, like you know, these this random. Prog thrash Swedish group just comes out of nowhere with like the best thrash record of the year yeah. that I've heard in a while. Mm-hmm. It's it is 
very good. I I will uh, agree to that. Um, yeah, and like it's good in a in a way where like there like you really do get the feeling that they're replicating some of the magic of like Rust in Peace or Jiffa or like the early mm-hmm. Voivod stuff. Like just sort of like the lightning in a bottle like energy where like you comp- combine like technicality, mel- melody, musicianship and the aggression of thrash and it just it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Every single one of these songs just slaps, and I, I guarantee if this band had been around in the '80s, they would be huge now. I mean, they're—I mean, it's not like they're not gaining traction. No, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Paranorm, good. Yeah, listen to the Imperium, the new Paranorm Paranorm album. Um, yeah, yeah, literally though, who needs Vector, right? <laughs> needs Vector anymore when you have Paranorm? Um, yeah, I can agree with that. But anyway. Um, I gotta look at the thing again. I forgot what was on the other topster. Um, so there's this, um, band called Knoll. They're from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and they just dropped their debut. Um, their death grind with, uh, a good old, a good old math core edge to it. Um, and it's just the heaviest album of the year so far. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, like, if you take your fawn limbs and your 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 full of hells and you throw them in a blender together, um, it's just... I, I don't really think it's, you know, it's nothing, like, super original, but it's fucking heavy. Understandable. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, like, 30 minutes um, of just really aggressive balls-to-the-wall death grind. Um, no, I, I, they had a, is, this band's like on like an okay label or is it self-released? They I, are on an okay label. They're on, yeah. uh, or they're not on a label. It might be self-released. Well, I know I got a press release for this and for my radio station and it was like one of those super <laughs> like over the top, like yeah. Noel brings you in like, I don't know, your ass into the next generation of Grindcore or something. Uh, I think they are independent, but guess who makes this album? Kurt Ballou. Kurt Ballou. So that gives you any inclination. It's probably good. Probably pretty good. Did you watch watch that, uh, the Kurt Ballou premiere guitar? I watched a little bit of it. But yeah, I can't, oh I can't listen to that much gear shit for that long. And uh, not, I, I love, head. I love that series, and just hearing Kurt just go off and like spurg out about <laughs> all these crazy gearhead things for yeah. an hour and a half was insane. That like that man knows more than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very. Uh, that's what experience gets you, I guess. He gave me a good justification for recording with EMGs. There you go. I was surprised. <laughs> Anywho, um. Let's see. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Interstice by Noel. Yeah. The, what's a? I literally can't. This. Bl- let me. Let me go on my Spotify. The Blackened Hardcore Record or Hardcore Black Metal. Yeah, by Qualen. Oh yeah. Unod and Sunut. So I read. Uh, was this in? I think this was in the black market. It's been in uh, a bunch of publications. Yeah, it's, it's pretty co- big. It's, it's I read covered. a little blurb for it in a. You know, just describes it as like black and hardcore but mm-hmm. what I, what i didn't expect was just how much second wave influences in here like i swear there are deliberate nods to some like really dark throny stuff i, mm. I could swear i could have heard could have heard the lead line for i am the black wizards in there and so i don't know it's 
it's really especially now it's it's so interesting hearing all these artists like 20 30 years later pay direct homage to that stuff and reject it with their own thing but no this record's pretty good i've only listened to it a few times but each time i'm like yep it's pretty good so i haven't actually listened to it yet it's been on it's been it's like in it's like next up in my um like my in the spreadsheet in the the spreadsheet like i have like I, it's like actually the next album that I have to listen to. Is, oh, uh, really? Is the yeah, album. you'll enjoy it. You'll be like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's definitely well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the next one. But uh, one, be like, I'm one so thing ignorant. That's, uh... One thing that's not on my um, my my little my little 3x3 three three that I want to talk about, because most of this is actually old stuff that we've talked about, but one thing that's not is a new Fonge album. Yeah, I saw that. I saw out. you played it. Yeah, that uh, I didn't know. I'm sh- is it good, <laughs> dude? It's two 15 minute long songs by Fonge. Okay, this band can't do wrong, and they don't do wrong on Pantocrator. Um, I don't know why it's out now fully, but it's supposed to release in May. Um, but listen to it now. It's just it. I don't know. Fonge more like bass. Yeah, it's it's just it's so good. It's so heavy. Um, like, I'm thoroughly engaged throughout the entire runtime of this song. So, of each one of the songs. But you're not thoroughly engaged for the new Architects record? Typical. <laughs> we'll talk about that at some point. Not now. This is not the place for it. <laughs> this is not the place. I didn't even know it came out. How the heck did we miss it last week? Because... No one cares anymore. Even, like, the big publications are throwing it, like, under their, like, this exists stuff. Like, this is coming out, but we're not going to highlight it. So Fair. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of hate Architects. So. Yeah, I think I think most do. Well, that's not true. A lot of people like Architects, but beside the point. What else? What else have you been listening to, Sam? Uh, a lot of indie, a lot of modern indie. Interesting. Any any highlights? Well, all the stuff I have to listen to is pretty like bare bones. Yeah, I don't know. Daft Punk broke up, and listening to some Daft Punk. Yeah. Listened to Kid A last week, and you know what? That all was ten. <laughs> yeah, it is a ten. Kid A, Kid A. Everything, everything. I really, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, let's see. Uh, listen to a fair amount of weird electronic music. I, the hyper pop bubble has burst. <laughs> There's so much hyper pop getting released in the underground; it's insane. Yeah. If you just look on the top 100 RYM records right now, like I think like 10 of them are hyper pop. Jesus. But yeah, I mean, other than that, just a lot of Opeth. So. <laughs> gotcha. Um, check out this. Uh, there's two albums I have left to talk about. There's um. There's a new group. Well, it's a, it's it's the um, it's the Blue Town Norse guitarist yeah, yeah, I solo know. project. Solo project for his for 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 his. Oh my! Wait, is that literally? Oh, I didn't even realize that. For his. Apparently, she's kind of underwhelming though. It's okay, but you know, listen to it if you like Blue Town Norse, and you should support any. You should support well, it anyway. Specifically, but it is if you like okay. the more straightforward, melodic, second-wave Blue Town Nords, and not their avant-garde tendencies. Also true. Um, it's okay. I would recommend listening to it. There are a few standout tracks. 
Track two, yeah, the first track one, track's great too. <laughs> and the last track are really, really good. Um, the midsection does kind of die a bit. Um, and the other it's one, black metal. Yeah, it can't be metal. interesting. The last record I want to talk about is um, the new one from Black Sheep Wall. Who is um, this record really amazing? <laughs> I really fucking enjoy it. I think that it's not for everyone, and obviously the post-hardcore vocals, which. They're better than most post-hardcore vocals. Um, but over the sludge metal, and I mean like really gritty, hard sludge metal, like it, it works um, a lot. And they really have a good blend of being able to, I guess, keep things intense, but also um, pull it back a little bit, make it that post-hardcore um, that it's sort of rooted in. Um, but this album's really heavy too, and it's got some killer lines. Like, um, like uh, I I don't exactly remember, but in the last song, um, I think one of the repeated lines is um, "masturbate to feel the pain away" or something like that. <laughs> and like, you can understand um, all the vocals here because it's post-hardcore. Um, so it's I don't know. I think it's pretty good. Um, really heavy. I've been listening to it for the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, like, top 10 on RYM right now, and that's yeah. always a good sign. It's pretty good, but it's definitely not for everyone. It is certainly a, um, a an interesting genre blend that you don't hear often, but I think it works. Fair. Uh, anything else? Are we ready to talk about Still Life? I think we're just about ready to talk about Still Life. I'm just going to go really quick through... Um, if you haven't listened to the Earthshine album yet, do it. It's amazing. Wow, typical. That's all. That's all I have though. That's all my that's all my new stuff. That's another that was another podcast. But yeah, still still life. Now Sam, why is still life an important chapter in the Opeth discography? Would you, uh, like to, would you like to start the explanation? I could sure. also uh, in, sure. I could also input uh, when necessary. Well, so Still Life was released but a year after My Arms Your Hearse. It was the first album to feature the full Golden Age lineup, which we now think of when we think of the best path releases of Martin Mendes on bass, um, Martin Lopez on drums, Peter Lundgren on guitar, and Michael Ackerfeld on guitar and vocals. And this was the first album where they all really got to contribute as a band to it. It was also the first album where they really fully realized the promise of their initial mm-hmm. like their initial sound. And also, it's the, it's, this acted as a gateway album for many, many, many metal fans in the late 90s. In fact, if you go on r slash prog metal, chances are, if you're above a certain age, this is the album that got you into prog metal. Interesting. And it's it's very, I mean, it's pretty important because this sort of cements the Opethian sound, which would define the next, like, seven years of their career. And they just, it, fire, they, it fires on all cylinders, and it's a really landmark release for the, the genre. Sure. Yeah. This is also the first Opeth album to get to gain larger distribution. The first three records are on Candlelight, mm-hmm. and this one's on Peaceville, which is noticeably bigger, or which was noticeably bigger. Sure. And so it, it allowed them to reach a much wider audience than they previously done. 
It uh, it didn't do very well commercially, and then the Underground was a pretty big release, and this was sort of like the springboard that would allow them to to really rocket ship to the moon, if you will, with Blackwater <laughs> Park, which came out two years later. To the moon. Um. Well, yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate on the nose. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much to add. I think that, um. You know, we, we sort of talked about how the Opeth style was cemented on My Arms Rehearse. At least the foundations were. Um, but obviously still life is Opeth. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, this is, it's no clearer it, it, on any record than it is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say My Arms Rehearse was when like they poured the lava into the sword you know, canister or whatever. Sure, and still yes. life was when they like, turned it into a blade. Right. Like Myers or Harris had all the elements and it sounds a lot more similar to still life than anything prior in their discography, but still life is them definitely perfecting that formula. Yeah. The, just a really potent blend of death metal and prog rock. Same and you know some I, folk stuff. Sam, you know what I love about this album? No interludes. There's no interludes. No, I was, no, I was going to meme. I was going to say, Adam, Adam's favorite Opeth album is going to be Still Life because it's better than Blackwater Park because it doesn't have an interlude. Better than, no. Um, there are no interludes, but this album has amazing flow. Really does. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a reason why this album is so beloved by boomers and not by boomers, I mean, people <laughs> over 20. Boomers. But, like, no, it's, like, all the, there are only seven songs, all of them are around ten minutes, except for Benighted, and all of them just flow immaculately, they're super, super, super well done, you got riffs on days, you got vocal melodies for days, you got nice, concise climaxes, and you get a story to top it all off, this album's a concept album. <laughs> it is a concept album, yes. Did you, did you get, I sent you a, I, a link. I, I did read the concept, um... <laughs> It's. Do you like how that website is like circa two thousand one? Yes, it's that is easily one of the oldest websites I have ever visited, and that's sad, but it's, it's true. <laughs> Lur Zoomer, Lur Boomer. Yeah, literally Lur Zoomer Boomer. Yeah, um, I mean, also like this record has a really consistent like aesthetic image, like you know that very iconic red uh, thing yeah. sort of came to define the death metal sound for mm-hmm. years to come. It and, gives me. And it's funny, when I was reading the story, I was like, oh my god, the Castlevania anime is all I can picture. Like, and that's bad, but like, that is the whole, that is the immediate picture that snapped into my mind. It's like, a gothic horror with, um, you know, the whole red sheen over it, and this, this dumb little love story about the this guy and this girl, and the Christian church is the bad guy. Honestly, it makes me think of uh, Withering Heights pretty Weathering Heights. more than anything else. Which, I mean, I guess it's saying, like, the story in this album is very trophy and has been done in various forms before. But uh, it def- it ties uh, it ties into those good old-fashioned English um, genre cliches that we're all used to. Yeah. And I will say, I think, like, here is where Opeth lyrics start getting at least a little more discernible mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit better. There's a lot of, like, romantic imagery here. The yeah. dark naturalism we've come dark to know and love. Dark naturalism. Um, also, this album, like, if there if there was like subtle uses of usage of Evo before this record, this al- <laughs> this album has just Peter Lundgren like going to town with the Evo on every track. Yeah, like the album literally opens with an Evo section and sets the mood for the rest of the thing. You know, you know it's funny. Sorry to 
to interrupt. I just want oh, to take a, a quick, brief interlude. My friend today asked me what an emo was, and I wouldn't have known what an emo was unless we had to do this this series of podcasts. So, but anyway, yes, emo is very important on this record. Yeah, I mean, the record sounds, like, very modern. Like, if I heard, especially the remix, the remaster, the original mix mm-hmm. is a little compressed, it's a little muddy, and you can actually hear a cough on the more during one of the acoustic sections. For really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> now I have um, to but, go listen. Uh, the, the remix is pretty, like, it's pretty solid. Like, it, you'd never guess this record was recorded, like, over 20 years ago. Sure. It's very reverby, it's very spacious punchy guitar tones michael's vocals sound great the bass is very much there and once again martin lopez leans into a much warmer style of playing that really mm-hmm. comes through on a lot of these tracks like his background as a bossa nova jazz drummer you definitely get that from basically every tune here and really yeah. makes cuts like face of melinda truly come out mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's the the rhythmic force of the two martins there's the dual guitar force of Michael and Peter, and then, you know, Michael Ackerfeldt's incredible penchant for just melody and songwriting. And, you know, it's funny, I'd highly suggest people read the um, Invisible Oranges 20 Years on Still Life interview. There are a lot of fun nuggets about the way this album's recorded, but basically all the vocals in this album were improvised and recorded in one night, which is kind of hysterical. <laughs> you never would guess that, honestly. No, no. Um, and it's, I don't know, I mean, it, it's kind of weird that a concept was birthed out of it, but also it's kind of typical Opeth to sort of repeat themselves in songs and themes. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, like, we talked about it a little bit when we talked about My Arms, Your Hearse, and especially those, um, especially Orchid, where, like, oh, yeah, all, <laughs> the lyrics are all the same, like, and they all have the, they're all trying to say the same thing. Um, but it's funny that even even when improvised, um, there's a little bit more here in terms of, I guess, a story or whatever the songs yeah. are trying I, to I tell. I will say, like, I mean, this story isn't like an end-all, be-all. There's some nice yeah. anti-religious imagery. There's some nice, like, romantic thematics. But it's it's pretty, like, bare bones and just serves as a background for the, the pretty exceptional music here. Right. And, uh, yeah, if you have anything else, uh, if not, we can dive into the more. I don't have anything in particular. We should just dive, dive right in. Man, the, okay. So actually I found on a, a po- I was browsing r slash Opeth before this podcast and found some choice memes. <laughs> I, I did not like the memes that I was, no, they were, they were, they were, they were pretty funny. Tits are temporary, but the sun sets on Blackwater Park forever. <laughs> but anywho um yeah the funnily enough the the highest voted song like they did one of those polls for the mm-hmm. best opeth song and the more actually won that's really interesting and all of r slash opeth and i kind of see it like this song is just kind of amazing in every sense like perfect album opener you start off with these really the, the really like spacious really subtle ebo and uh like dual guitar like uh leads then you go to a nice acoustic melody, which sort of builds into the opening death metal gallop. Mm-hmm. And what a death metal gallop what it is. What a death metal gallop. Yeah, I mean, this this song, it, it just, um, it perfectly conveys what the rest of the album's going to offer. And 
keeps you with or leaves you with an absolutely memorable track that yeah no exactly is this is probably like this is... unrivaled on this record i agree I feel like this is like the moment where the Opeth's tracks start becoming entirely like recognizable. Like I could sing this entire song from front to back from my melody. It's just right. it, or from my memory. It's amazing. Like that opening. You know, they're very classic Acker riff into the. And then, you know, you got Michael who on this record literally sound like, I don't know. It sounds like this dude spent 20 years in the wilderness raised by wolves before coming into contact with any sort of human society. Interesting way to put it, but yeah, sure. (laughs) No, like his growls really are kind of otherworldly. They're very impressive. Um, for sure. On this one. In particular. Strongest they've been. Even. I agree. And like, it's really cool being, you know, seeing them able to switch from the death metal sections to the clean sections mm-hmm. with such like adeptness. Like there's not a single transition on this record that feels forced, which is very impressive considering right. it's an hour of prog. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, when F when we finally leave the death metal section on this track in the first five minutes and we switch to like the pale touch writhing in the ember section which i will another thing about this album all the clean sections are very memorable like from memory oh yeah all of them certainly i won't say the most memorable they they will get but up there certainly yeah exactly um, and like a lot a, a lot of the guitar lead work here is also phenomenal like it's not as in your face as the first two albums it's not um, as over the top as some certain things it's just very subtle it serves the song and when th- when it comes time for both peter and michael to solo they just you know shred your faces off oh yeah they they they, they do a really nice job of keeping um i guess the the heart of opeth which is based around you know the intense guitar work and um rhythmic sections while still making it accessible and um, adding in the proggy goodness that it needs to to make the product it's trying to. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, gosh, like I, I think just you know some of the best, the probably the best, <laughs> one of the best moments in the Opet discography is uh, both times leading into one of the one of the not not even like a refrain, but. Um, where sort of everything cuts out and you just get like the one guitar <laughs> doing that <laughs> melody. And then, you know, everyone comes in. Michael's like on cloud nine, outcast with dogmas force be And, you know, everyone's just going bananas. It's so sick. Yeah, and, they, uh, they're, like, cert- they're yeah. definitely having a lot of fun on this album. And they're having fun writing together collectively for the first time mm-hmm. and they're, gosh they're just like the climax is here and just the musical moments are so memorable they really mm-hmm. stick with you and uh they feel full-bodied like the post chorus here the uh, where like if you'll bear with me you'll fear all of me that's a really amazing moment i like the post chorus uh sort of dual guitar thing really cool moment the uh the extended acoustic 
point here is wonderful, complete with some Ebo, some atmospheres, some more stunning vocal melodies, and it all come ties together into, you know, yet another one of those open spaces where you get the do new 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 into like the final climax of the song, and it's just it's just an amazing tune, like front to back. It's eleven minutes of Opethian goodness that I don't know does everything they do perfectly. Yeah, um, the ebb and flow here really works and you know having that last minute of uh, an epic explosion certainly leaves it just ingrained in your brain yeah exactly and uh it's definitely a stunning way to to open up the album and mm-hmm. sets set keeps the mood high and, oh uh, yeah i guess we'll, we'll do the typical thing where we talk about the lyrics of the song after we talk about the instrumental or the musical aspect uh so this album is a very tropey story where this dude who like you know, he's outcast from his village because he's an atheist. And so he yep. comes back to the village to seek his like lover from 15 years ago. This record, this song is literally him coming back to the village, which is in the moor, which is a part of um, England where it's, you know, it's very rocky, very uh, open expanses of fields and not too much civilization there. Which kind of sets the tone nicely for this record, and the dude's returning to the village, and there's just a lot of cool imagery, like like when he's talking about Melinda, and he says, she is water drops over the pyre, a thistle in my hands, stained and torn, aged and brown, virtuous shell with kindred innocence, like, yeah. you know... He's, he's, Michael's not fa- afraid to get wor- worthy, and a lot of the uh, the delivery here is pretty fun, especially with the death metal stuff. Like that line um, in the first half where he says, "Wearing my death mask at birth." I always, I always come back to that one. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's the Opeth cheese certainly hasn't left, but it is much more refined and uh, focused. Um, Especially with lyricism. Uh, you know, because... I don't know. I guess the meme has always been that the worst part of Opeth is the lyrics. But at the same time, <laughs> they're, they're certainly not bad. By any means. Yeah, no, they really aren't. Yeah, they, 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 they paint a really nice picture of exactly what the band is trying to convey. And their music is a perfect backdrop for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of perfect backdrops... Godhead's Lament, which I always thought was a cool title, is the second track on the record, and it opens up with a definitive, uh, I guess, mellow death bang. Yeah. You know, they're they're doing the thing where one guitarist, probably Michael, is playing chords while uh, Peter's doing some fun lead stuff on top, and it builds really nicely. You got the rhythm section going ham, and then Michael eventually comes in with like rending the earth with his screams as always i mean this song is um i guess the best way they can do a a death metal focus track now at, in, in their career um, yeah and no, i agree balancing and, uh, you know they do ebb and flow again but it is yeah i mean what's what's really nice here is like the way that the riffs are able to change without being like they're able to be similar and uh, create a like like you said a really nice ebb and flow going from really fast really intense riffs to to more to slower more forbidding riffs while staying at the same tempo. It's really cool. Like the second riff uh, is similar to the first one, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a lot breathier, has a lot more room to breathe. Yeah, they they just 
this is another example of the way that Opeth is just able to create such a unique and varied sound um, that has so many influences, but still remains distinctly their own. Because, um, you know, even on even on track like something like Face of Melinda, like, that's still distinctly Opeth, but at the same time, they're only using, I guess, half of their palette. Doesn't make it any yeah. less an amazing song, but on something like Godhead's Lament, where you really see the full scope of everything they're trying to offer, uh, it's just it's, so, it's, it's brilliant. Think, yeah, and once this, like, these, none of these tracks really feel their length, and uh, their ability no. to just bounce between engaging melodic ideas is mm. ever impressive. I really like the descending ahs uh, uh, here. Yeah. I think they're really nice. You know, the acoustic section's pretty nice, too. You have the thing that Michael loves to do where he'll play, like, an open chord and then descend with one finger as he goes through it. Um, and, I mean, I like the I like the clean lyrics. The thought oh. I could leave, not leave this place that is imminent. I was going to say, this chorus, this chorus always gets me just because it's so um, kind of epic and uh, the vocal performance is really sticky. Um, yeah, I, I, agree. I like, just love no, I, I agree. The searching my way through perplexion. Ah. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun and it works really well and it flows really well. I know we're saying we're repeating a lot, but I mean that's sort of the movie. That's the, that's this album in a nutshell. That's all things very consistently solid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and. No, no, I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's right. <laughs> you good. really can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the acoustics on this song also sound great as they have uh, on the last track. Um, yeah, but I agree. Yeah, it's Opeth. It's just Opeth at its finest again. Um, yeah. I certainly think that this is one of the highlights on the album, even still, um, this early on. Yeah, I agree. Definitely starts off pretty strong. Yeah. And uh, lyrically, this song is about a boy walking around town and realizing that his wife, Melinda, is a nun now, except she's not content being a nun. She wants to be free and have yes. love with good old the protagonist. The unnamed. Yeah, exactly. Does he have the a un- name? The outcast. Yeah, he's unnamed. Yeah. And God. which leads into the next song, which, Whoa. spoiler alert, is Benighted. Um, how do you feel about this track? I feel like, okay, don't kill me. I feel like it's def- like, I feel this song's kind of boring. Like, it's good. Don't get me it, wrong. I, I would agree. It's kind of boring, but it, it is very good. I think yeah, it's- and, I mean- One of their- Opets- no, you, you can go. Sorry, you can go, you sorry. Can go, Opeth go, albums go. love to do this thing where, like, they open with like twenty to twenty-five minutes of just death metal, yeah. and then slap you in the face with an acoustic interlude. Right. This is like the third time they've done it at this point, and this is got their discography, and it works. It, um, Benighted's it nice because it shows that not only can you know Michael craft really engaging um, prog death songs, but he can craft engaging like folk songs on his mm-hmm. own with mm-hmm. some gorgeous acoustic guitar melodies um and repeated chorus yeah this this song to me sort of i guess puts into perspective 
the fact that Michael can't just write a good death metal riff. He can also really write um, a really nice acoustic song. Um, because even even in those other tracks, like there's not too much that they have to do with those acoustic sections. But I, the song does keep it kind of interesting if you're listening to the guitar part alone. That mm-hmm. being said, this song does go on for a little too long. And I, I, I kind of wish that it was... It switched it up a little more. Maybe maybe even got heavier. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's um, funny because, you know, Face Melinda does that exact thing. Yes. But, um, you know, I think the... I do like how when the percussion comes in at, like, two minutes... Actually, it's, like, three minutes. Yeah. Um, for the guitar solo, it sort of recontextualizes the rest of the song. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with that. playing a really smooth beat. Mm-hmm. Um, Other Martins laying down a fat bass line in the yeah. solos is pretty sweet. Yeah, no, and the as, song as, is... Not bad by any means. It's definitely yeah, good. I, after learning this whole album on guitar in preparation for this podcast, this album's pretty. This song in particular is pretty fun to play. Yeah. A lot of nice open voicings for guitar chords. A lot of fun finger picked runs that aren't too too difficult. And Michael's <laughs> vocal lines pretty engaging throughout. I will yeah. say, I feel like this this song has like the most boring clean vocal on the oh yeah <laughs> on the record i just don't think the coming to this night is a very interesting line i just wish it was switched up more i think that um if it was played a little more with it could have had some more room to shine i really like the uh i mean i like the vocal lead but i do wish it changed a little bit um, no, i agree so I do really like the ending of this song too, where it's just like, you know, acoustic run mm-hmm. into just playing an open harmonic. The that's really that's really cool. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, at the very least, it it is a nice break in the track list. And Opeth, they know they've known how to do this for a long time. When you when you have twenty minutes of death metal, it's nice to throw in a little clean section. Yeah. Is this the worst song in the album? Uh, probably. I, I I don't. You know, it's hard to say that there's a bad song in this album. There isn't, but um, I would probably say that it's just because of, uh, I don't know, the lack of variety, and uh, I mean, I guess it's just like, it's not the Opeth I'm looking for here. Um, yeah, it's, no, certainly wel- it's certainly welcome, but... Um, I mean, we'll see a little bit later in their career, like, Opeth will learn, even on the next album, they'll learn how to make a song like this a lot more interesting. Right. Um, like with with harvest with uh hours of wealth mm-hmm. with you know every song on damnation right so this this you know they'll definitely improve upon this formula but at the very least it is a, it does it's a nice breather yeah and uh it's funny because lyrically you know this song is about uh the protagonist meeting with melinda and being like yo dude run away with me from from this place and she's like i'm a nun no <laughs> i can't I can't. Not now, Heathcliff. But, um, but we'll see what happens on the next track. Okay, Moon Loves Vertigo, honestly underrated. I agree. Um, like, I, I every for time a while, I, I was like, this song kind of sucks, and then I just sort of listened to it more. Yeah. And it's continually quite solid. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan of this track, personally. I think yeah, I, I think that the the riff is really nice, really memorable. Um, 
And oh, this... one thing we haven't really talked about is yeah. like the way that Opeth has sort of just hard transitioned into doing a very particular style of like death metal riff at this point. Mm-hmm. Like there are two types of guitar passages on this album. There are acker riffs, which are generally have both guitars doing a yeah. nice angular drawn out riff that sort of called to attention the best aspects of prog in a death metal context. And then you have, you know, uh, typically Michael playing a rhythm part where he'll, he'll play some distorted chords while Peter does a nice lead melody on top or vice versa. Yeah. And uh, it lends in a much more traditional feel allows for more melody and sounds pretty nice while doing so. And this song opens with one of those. Yeah. I love a lot of things in the song. I love the clean vocal melody. I think that um, it's just, it's really unique and it sticks out. And then I love the theatrical refrain of the um, the very proggy, da-da-da, like it's so cheesy, but every time it happens, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Opeth, give it to me. Well, what's what makes this song pretty interesting is for the, mo- unlike a lot of the songs in this album, which generally have like a heavy riff another heavy riff Mm. another heavy riff a chorus and then they repeat that formula we see that on the more we see that on godhead's lament we see that on white cluster we see that on serenity painted death this song is very much going between an a section and a b section yeah like after the intro because the intro you get you know you get a nice thing you have this gorgeous guitar lead which i really like the do no 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 that's really nice and then suddenly we're switching between an acoustic section a heavy section we do that a few times which is the do 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 into the you know that really fun triplet thing yeah and they just go back and forth between that for a while and it works really nicely yeah i mean this is just another testament as to uh opeth being able to switch up their own sound and still keep it unique and sounding great yeah, no, I agree. And like you, like you said, the clean melody here is, is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Twist it. Like, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun, yeah, no, it's, um, it's one of my favorites on the album, just because it is kind of, I don't know, unlike Benighted, it moves around a lot uh, and um, keeps it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the I way mean, it sort of transitions into the last part of the song is wonderful, where you get, you know, that open guitar chord, playing an open guitar chord, moving up the neck, playing another open guitar chord. Do, 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 do. And then the way it goes into, like, the sickest solo section of the album is really cool. Yeah. Suddenly it gets really heavy, and, you know, one of them is shredding, and it's dope. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's weird that you mentioned earlier the um the growls in this album being a little more i just i guess being a little more primal because you do hear it and i i think on this track in this heavy section because you've had you've had not that for a while it really shows uh, that color mm-hmm. um so it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because i like i i i agree but like Re-listening to the track, I can um, see it in particular in this. Yeah, one. exactly, and it's it's cool that you know Michael opens all the the heavy transitions with the his signature, yeah, the, <laughs> like the, going the into black. them. And it sounds mm-hmm. sick, mm-hmm. and also like the the last little refrain at the end of the song um, is the guitar melody is beautiful. It's it's very choral. It's very yeah. uh, very melodic, and this way it sort of like leads into face Melinda. As always, is nice. Yeah, 
Yeah, the ending, um, the ending verse is, the ending clean verse is really nice to me, too. Because it is a very nice take off of what the group's been doing for the whole song. Yeah, no, I agree. And this song, you know, really interpolates melodies throughout quite nicely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lyrically, it's sort of pretty vague. It seems to be like the the dude just walking around either at night or in a castle in the town and thinking about like, oh, he's, 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 he's undercover from the council of the cross, which I'm going to choose to read as metaphorical and not literally. Um, Jesus Christ. He's like, you know what? That's it. I'm going to get, I saw Melinda. I'm going to get her. And so he's going to meet up with her again. We're going, they're going. That's face of Melinda, which is one of the group's most famous songs. And for good reason. Um, yeah, oh I, my god. Like We've talked about these tunes being memorable. Holy shit, I, I know every note in the song. Every yeah, note. Me it's too. just ingrained permanently in my memory. I don't even I don't even play guitar, and I know every guitar line in the song. I know, I, it's so easy to... It, it just... It's so poignant. Sticky. It gets... It, yeah. it, it, it's so sticky. It, it's... It's so beautiful. It's the switch ups are memorable. Like I know every transition. I know every. I agree. It's like everywhere from the opening. It's 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 very fun. It's very sticky. The verse is great. Um, you got the the by the turnstile beckons a damsel fair. Do 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 do, and uh, yeah, I mean, right. if you don't know who Opeth is, you should probably listen to Face of Melinda. If you've been listening to this podcast passively, I, I first of all, great, we appreciate it. But if you if you haven't listened to a single Opeth song up until this point, this is the one you need to listen to, um, because I don't know, it just. This this is like the Opeth clean song, um, and if you want to, if you're interested in the band whatsoever, but don't know where to start, I don't know, maybe, maybe try Face of Melinda. Yeah, honestly, I mean, try Still Life. This song like does so many cool like melodic things too, like the turnaround into the heavy sections, gorgeous. The mm-hmm. way it builds into the heavy sections, gorgeous. Or the do 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 do. It really mm-hmm. takes its time. It doesn't rush into it. Yeah, you know, it just leans on that. And then the do is such a sick thing. And then we get that final like acar riff the do no 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 yeah, but it's it's still like it, it it is a prog song. It's not it's not a death metal song by any means. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 really clean the whole time, and it builds to an awesome climax. Yeah, it's no, I agree. just I... it's just great. I mean, there's a there is a reason that this is one of Opeth's biggest, if not their biggest track. I don't yeah, actually I mean, they know. They played this song at like every live show for like fifteen years, like for good reason. Yeah. It's it's wonderful, like the yeah when everything culminates into the do 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 do. 
and then everything you know gets even heavier and yeah. does that again it's sick it's a really wonderful tune the way it, it's gorgeous the way it builds is, is really clever it's very sticky my gorgeous performances by everyone around and yeah. special note to lopez's drumming here because it's very simple but it works very well mm-hmm. um especially during the section where it's going into the heavy section um after michael's clean or after the vocals have tapered off for a little bit and it does a it's got some nice polyrhythm baloney going on in there um it's really it's very cool Yes, it is uh, very cool. It works well. Yeah. Uh, this song is about literally the same thing as Benighted, except <laughs> here Melinda's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda's in now. Yeah, um, at the end she says, she baffled herself with the final line, my promise is made, but my heart is thine. So now <laughs> her heart is with with the protagonist, with Michael, instead of the church. And we'll see how that bodes for her. <laughs> in, the, in the next track, which is... Um, uh, Serenity Paint to Death. An interesting song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of corny. Um, I think that the, the... I don't know. This song is pretty good. But I think that the back half of this album just certainly isn't as memorable as the first half. I agree. And, like, they're memorable and they're really wonderful songs, don't get me wrong, but they, yeah. they don't pack the same punch as, like, the yeah. more Orgon heads lament. Mm-hmm. So, I will say, like, I mean, I absolutely love the intro, like, riff to this song, where it's like, and when Michael finally comes in doing, like, the return from a hibernal dream, it's really sick. I like it. Yeah. I can agree with that. Um, from there, you know, it transitions into a, a, a nice little uh, Peter solo section. Riff. Well, yeah, you got you gotta, you, have a, you have a little quick little guitar solo in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it, yeah, and then it does turn into the chuggy riff. And then Heather Michael says, look me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, this song is kind of meme Like the chorus yeah. where the narrator comes across Melinda's dead corpse hanging. Oh, no. Is like, it's literally a morbid angel riff. The pinch harmonic. And you get the very iconic white face, haggard grin, and the serenity to paint to death. <laughs> like, it's kind of meme it kind of <laughs> It's so meme Every time I hear it, I think it's a little funny. Yeah. It is a very <laughs> weird line to scream. Um, for him. So, yeah. But, I mean, this song also sounds great. Super proficient songwriting. Um, even if it yeah, is a little less here memorable. also, like, yeah. Orgasmic. They're so good here. Mm-hmm. And this song has a handful of them, so you won't miss them. I agree. For sure. uh, uh, I mean, I, li- I like the uh, the clean part, the saw her fading part. That's really nice. Yeah. I... It is nice. 
this song honestly it's kind of funny because the the second half of it has a lot of tricks that he'll pull again on uh deliverance the album over and over again where he's playing sort of the math core chords and like a very jerky star stop pattern yeah like it's a very that's very much something i associate with deliverance yeah and I, I I absolutely love like the sort of the clean refrain towards the end, like um, swathed in filth, like that part. Yeah, Th- those are some really gorgeous chords. They really they're very, it's very cinematic, very nice effect. And then we we get one last time of the the mimetic chorus. Yeah, going absolutely hard with the <laughs> white face. <laughs> yeah, uh. it's it, it is kind of, it's 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 funny, but overall you know very well written a great a great tune yeah a great tune i i think the reason why that part sounds so so odd too is because this whole album is like so reverbed out and with so many layers and in that part you know both guitars and the bass are all playing the same thing they're playing one riff and there's like a distinct lack of space that suddenly yeah. is just empty and filled with you know actual death metal yeah but it, i mean it works nonetheless and it's a it's a it's a banger I mean, every mm-hmm. song in this album is a banger to some extent. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, this uh, so Adam. What do you think? What's this song about? What Serenity Paint to Death? Yeah, dude. Um, at least from what I understand, um, the 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 church is coming for him after they came for Melinda, or excuse me, came for them after they uh, came for Melinda. So. You know, he's he's got to get out of there. He's got to... Oh, no! I, I remember what the song's about. I completely forgot. Oh, he kills <laughs> yeah, he, everyone. Yeah, he, he goes kills, around and he kills he's everyone. He's going to kill everyone. He's going to kill everyone. And he and he does. Um, yeah, dude. He sees Melinda, Melinda's dead body hanging and he just goes berserk. He goes full gamer, dude. He goes full ape. Full gamer. Yeah, he kills everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, choking in warm ponds of blood, and then it just collapses because <laughs> it's so much. Right, and then then they get him, and uh, into the final song on the album, which ends almost ex- exactly like you guessed it would end. Yeah, I will say, White Cluster for a long time, I just sort of thought was underwhelming. The song's grown on me in the past week. I just don't think it's as good as the more, but it's it's definitely up there. Well, we we've established that you can't get better than the more on this album. True, true. Um, but yeah, no, this song's pretty good as well. Um, I I would agree that it's not nearly as memorable, but I I feel I feel that. I mean, it does sort of the uh, moonlapse vertigo thing where it jumps between uh, mm-hmm. that the uh, acoustic section and the harsh section, and I yeah. think the chorus here is like probably the best, honestly. Like the they were white for me yeah seemingly jaded and lost like that's really gorgeous and there are some pretty stunning moments here um like michael has his longest recorded growl at like 549 right where we get like yeah. sort of the long acoustic inter- interlude that enters like with and then michael has like a 20 second long growl and it's sick um, yeah, this song's acoustic section is also really interesting because of kind of how fast it is. Well, not fast, mm-hmm. but like up tempo, I suppose, where it's really pushing and it's keeping the tension that the song has already put in throughout. 
Um, okay. it, it really doesn't let up like I guess the normal Opeth acoustic section does. Um, it still keeps it pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's some pretty stunning parts here. Like, there's the the hangman clutching at his tools. I will come for you. That's kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. The noose is tied. Murmur through the crowd, plunging into anywhere but here. And, you know, the last lines in the album are great. And I sort of mm-hmm. like the way, uh, like, how it just sort of reprises the, the chorus jazz chords. Well, you get the really stunning lead. And then it's, you know, it's an interesting decision where everything goes silent and then you get a really like analog, very mm-hmm. warm solo uh, electric guitar yeah. playing uh, an outro. And so it's a very like balls to the wall sort of sort of final track. The chorus is very big. There's that really intense section I mentioned earlier. There's some really wacky solos, training yeah. solos, actually. Yeah, it is a, it is a trade of wacky solos. There's like the dream theater turnaround riff where it's like, do, 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 yeah, they have to have that riff. But I mean, I for a long time I wasn't a huge fan of the song as a closer, but I think I think it does work and I think like sort of the strength of that chorus really does work. Yeah, uh, I, to, I agree to with to that. Carry it to the end. And it's definitely it's certainly not a bad song. Like Serenity Paints of Death and both White Cluster are good tunes. I, mm-hmm. I've, they're sticky, they're memorable, they're well written. I just don't think they're as good as the first few songs. Right. Yeah. I I, I agree with that. Um to most of the extent. Needs more Ebo. There is quite a bit of Ebo on this track, too, toward the end. So Yeah, there is. Um, I, I don't know if there... I don't know if there needs to be more Ebo, but... Um, but I yeah, no. I fever, and the only prescription is more Ebo. It's more Ebo. Yeah, I don't know. I think that... I think this album does close well, but I, I do wish that it... It's consistent, but I wish that it was more consistent. Like, maybe, I don't know. Obviously, you can't just throw Godhead's Lament at the end of the track list. But um, the quality, certainly, on this album is, like, it's a steady decline. Yeah, and I agree. And, I mean, Face Melinda is pretty amazing, so it's not yeah. to go. But I agree. I, I think Cerny Paid Death and White Cluster and Benighted aren't as good as the other tracks. Yeah. Um, does that, does that come to our, our final conclusions now that we're sort of talking about the album as a, well, first, uh, the scope yeah, as a what, whole? Dude, what happens in this? Oh, what happens? Concert? Oh, dude. Our poor man, he's, he's dying, dude. He gets he's, hung and he, he dies. He gets hung. But he sees Melinda before he dies. And yeah. he knows that they're going to be together in the end. Which is kind of sweet. But yeah, it's a little a little sweeter than the ending but, of my arms. Yeah, a little bit. They they <laughs> will be together in death. Maybe Michael got a girlfriend for this album, honestly. <laughs> Maybe he did. <laughs> honestly, based on the based on the age of his daughters, I guarantee that's what happened. Could be. I I don't have that answer, but I'm sure someone does. I'm sure Michael himself does have that answer. Um, oh, but yeah, I guess like looking at it as a whole, like I see why a lot of people really like this album. I just really don't think it's the same level of quality as all of the works that immediately come after this. Like, I agree. Like, don't get me wrong. It's Opeth and it's Opeth operating at their prime. So it's going to be really solid. But 
you can't look me in the eyes and say this is better than Blackwater Park, Ghost Reveries, Deliverance, <laughs> and maybe even Watershed. Yeah, I certainly don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, because like one of the things that makes Blackwater Park one of the best metal albums of all time is the fact that every song just goes to eleven. Right. Like every song on Blackwater Park like destroys your expectations in a new way. That's kind of phenomenal. Yeah. And this album, every song is really, really good. Don't get me wrong, but they they don't reach that level of like songwriting ascendancy. I also yeah, the mix I just isn't as good as like a Stephen Wilson mix. Like, well, personally. it's certain. It's certainly not as um, punchy. Yeah, the, it it has the old Opeth style of sort of being. There is a layer of just kind of um, reverb on everything. Reverb and atmosphere on everything. I don't think yeah. that's a bad thing, but I do think that you know, for exactly what the Opeth style is, then yeah, you're gonna want that punchier production offered later in their career yeah exactly and i mean this album's great don't get me wrong i think it's probably the best opeth album of the 90s like i don't think that's close yeah i i think that's probably true but it doesn't touch opeth of the 2000s no and it's i know i know all the all like the all the 40 year old you know old <laughs> old metal guards type all the, the old comments, heads like no, White Cluster is my favorite Opeth song. <laughs> and it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. They're all good. But yeah. does any is anything here as good as like the Leper Affinity or Blackwater Park or the Drapery Falls or Ghost of Perdition or the Grand Conjuration or Hessian? Uh, like, yeah, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, but that being said, this album is still great. Um, yeah, no, it's it's an amazingly solid listen front to back. Concepts helps the story. Michael's performances here are phenomenal. The musicianship as a whole is phenomenal. It flows gorgeously, and it's just a wonderful album. Yeah. Certainly the best of the Opeth as we have come to know so far. Yeah, no, I agree. Wait, so are, is our ranking literally just like as the album? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's, what I, that's why I was like, that's why I was really contemplating... Like putting Morning Rise over well, look, my arm. As soon as we start hitting, like, I I don't know, like, in a few albums, it will start. It'll start getting wacky. Okay. It will start getting wacky. Um, yeah. For now, we have to unfortunately be locked in the 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 trap that we've dug for ourselves. So is this album a nine or nine point two five? I think this album's a nine point two five. I I do. I don't think this. I really don't think um, that this record is fully there because of those last two tracks um, and Benighted being a tiny bit boring. Um, but I mean, that being said, a 9.25 out of 10 is still a great rating. Um, yeah, dude, Nav so, would kill for that rating. <laughs> I know, Nav would kill for that rating. Um, and so, so yeah. we're doing it next week. Are we tackling the best metal album of all time? I mean, I guess we have to. Um, that's the way it goes. That's the way the news goes. Is the sun going to set forever over Blackwater Park? <laughs> I mean, it, it might have to. Um, but yeah, no. So we will be obviously returning for that next week. Um, but we're not done yet. We're not done we yet. We got to talk about the way the news goes. We got to talk about the way the news goes. And we got to talk about upcoming releases of which there are probably a few. 
<laughs> I don't have I don't have anything huge, but there's stuff to talk about. It's okay. Certainly. There's some like pointless news that will be like, wow, dude, is this really all they have? Hey, you know what? Trent and Atticus got another Golden Globe. Woo! Do they do they the ever men do slow, not do they ever slow down? They never slow down, they don't sleep, and they never stop making good music. So yeah. Listen okay, to why the hell are Biffy Clyro headlining download? I don't know. Why is KISS headlining download? Dude, cause they're KISS. Doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. No. Look, I hate KISS, don't get me wrong, but like they're kind of one of the biggest names in rock history. <laughs> Gene Simmons is, like, dead now. Gene, Gene Simmons, Simmons actually died. Gene Simmons doesn't think that Rock exists anymore. He has claimed Rock is dead. He has said that. And he's gonna open... He's gonna be the guy for all these... It's just... I don't think Kiss should headline download. Fair. No, um, like, I mean, I agree. I think that's sort of a... Sh- I mean, look, Maiden, they deserve to be up there. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, um, so did we, did we talk about the, uh, the mother, uh, heckin' Nurgle thing last week? Briefly. Yeah, we touched right. on it. Well, Why? it might postpone the behemoth record. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is kind of sad. That is sad. Um, uh, let's see. Godsmack, is... Godsmack, uh, vocalist <laughs> is peddling <laughs> coronavirus conspiracy theories. <laughs> Wait, um, Sully? Yeah. Sully's an anti-Coviter. Well, he might not be anti-Covid, but he he's he certainly does not believe the full science. Uh, you know, why am I not surprised? Yeah. Um Then again, Godsmack like doesn't actually write music, so yeah. Godsmack are probably one of the worst popular rock bands of the past 20 years, so. <laughs> um, yeah. let's see we got Oh, Ghost. new New Dude, um, we got w- new surprise Drake tonight. New, s- oh really? Yep. Yeah, here I was. I was gonna talk about how we got uh new go new Papa just dropped. <laughs> new Papa uh, dropped. Papa Emeritus the fourth. Yeah. He looks kind of like he's he's holding a saxophone. He's wearing all white. Uh. Ugh, yeah. Uh, uh, hey, in, in in terrifying and hysterical and also maybe good news, Texas is saying mo to all COVID things, which includes concerts. So if you like, if you live in Texas and you want to go to an event and contract COVID and kill your grandparents, oh my you can god, legally do that, and there what are no the restrictions hell? in the country and the in the states, yeah. If you're a, a Texas-based band, I implore you to please not <laughs> perform live. I understand you need to, but I have family in Texas, okay? I, d- don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, don't do it. It's just funny, because like, it's not even like they're doing well. Like They're still no, doing, they're like, not, the it's worst ho- in the goddamn country. Literally the, the worst. Te- up to 10,000 new cases a day. A day! And then the governor's just like, 
whipping and naining <laughs> releasing all COVID restrictions. Open it up, dude. Open it up. It, that it, That's absurd to me. That is No, it, it makes negative sense. I mean, ugh, this is why America will never recover from COVID. <laughs> no, no. This is why I'm learning Norwegian. Yeah, right. It's... God, man, it re- it really is hard to watch. Um, it's just kind of astounding because, like, you know, these people have info that would suggest that, you know, this is a bad idea. Yeah, um, I guess that the dichotomy that this country has so wonderfully laid out for us um, is just not. It, it can't. It can't change. Hey, we're recording this on March fourth, and this is a uh, this is the day of reckoning according to QAnon, actually. Is that true? Trump, yeah, because it's like some ancient clause where Trump actually becomes president today. All right. Well, it's 3.30 p.m. Let's see what happens. Let's, in the next see what, let's find out. <laughs> let's find um, out what happens. And other metal-related news. Looks like Mars Volta is teasing something cool. Oh, well, that's not really metal news, but that is that is that is hard rock news. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I want a new Mars Volta record. It'll probably be good. I'll take a new Mars Volta. I want to see them live, goddammit. <laughs> I want to see them live and, like, open up, like, a wall of death, and then mm-hmm. Cedric will be like, God, stop, stop, stop this. No mosh at our show. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see yeah. the lacuna coil noise news? No, I didn't see the lacuna coil news. What happened so to lacuna there, coil? So... I like honestly don't know how to feel about this, but Lacuna Coil, our bo- our girls and boys in that lovely Italian group, they they promoted a live stream pretty heavily of, of them and a bunch of other. Italian oh groups. yes, I did hear and about. And they the just look- stood on yeah. stage for like an hour, silently. Did people pay for that live stream? I don't know. If they did, that's not cool. If they didn't, that's very cool. That's how well, I feel. The thing is, though, like, what are they protesting exactly? Because if I don't pro- even know what they're protesting. Because if they're protesting that the country should open up during COVID, I'm not a huge fan of that. But if they're protesting that the government should help out local musicians and and gigs and venues, I'm cool with that. Yeah. And um, based like all these tweets or all the things they said are really like, like it's very both sidesy and that they could be representing both of these, both of those things. So like I'm honestly not sure. I think I think it's tough because they're certainly not writing that press release. I don't even no. think the band probably decided to do that. Who who are they on? What what's Lacuna Coil? Dude, they're on Nuclear Blast. Okay. Alright. Well, someone decided that they should do that. I don't know who. I, I can't you know, I can't say that. But I'm in the same camp. I think that this is sort of similar to the to the ice to earth thing. Not not at all the same, but similar because they're not going to take a stance, and they're up to this point they haven't really taken a firm stance. And I think that that's going to drive a lot of people away, as if Lacuna Coil's music doesn't drive people away in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure because part of Ice Earth's downfall was the fact that not no one in the band would make would 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 take a side right yeah i agree and you, now they both sides it. your way through these this modern no, political climate you can and 
like because i mean i i understand like the these economies are suffering and like as a metal musician myself if i was dependent on like that as a primary source of income i'd be fucked to put it I'm, lightly yeah i mean the minute the minute you take a side though you have to you have to take a side like yeah. the minute you get political in the first place you have to take a side I agree. I mean, I think we should be in these these days. We should be advocating for, you know, PPE and stuff for businesses and oh yeah, and musicians and whatnot. But I think you know, opening up the economy before it's ready to be opened up will only lead to more COVID cases and more deaths. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Plus, we got a vaccine on the horizon. Yeah, Give we fu- literally have take- a vaccine. Like, t- take, take a chill pill, dude. Like, <laughs> like this is coming to an end. It's going to take a little while, but we're getting there. It's, oh, man. Speaking it, of getting there, you ready for BT Bam's Automata 1 and 2 stream? I am ready for BT Bam's And Automata what I love 1. about DT Bam is these streams are free. They are free. Thanks, um, Tommy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tommy and the boys. We appreciate your, your, your light through this whole thing. And... Hell, they don't give a shit, dude. They played it. They played in fucking Blake's basement, like for the first <laughs> live stream or whatever. Like that—that's the way to do it. Like I don't understand how it's. This is gonna come off bad, but like, it is possible to do these big live streams, especially for bigger artists like BT Bam. Obviously, BT Bam's not huge, but they're certainly a large artist. You know, like. For Lacuna Coil to go through all this effort to set up a live stream and then not do anything with it, that's kind of a smack I, I, I in the face to a lot of artists. It definitely makes a strong statement. I just wish they were clear about their political goals. Yes. Also, it would have been nice if they played some music. I didn't really... <laughs> I'm sure a lot of fans were disappointed. I'm sure, I'm sure, but I don't know. I can't really lambast the band if they're struggling during COVID. Well, Jesus Christ, they're though. so big. Yeah, they're huge, though. You gotta understand, they're a massive group. And so that 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 pulls their credibility into question a little bit. Because if you're not going to take a stance, then you're you're literally doing this for publicity purposes. I mean, Metallica is famously apolitical when like both Lars and kirk and robert actually all three of them except for james are like registered democrats right but at the but even even then like i I don't know that's i think that's fine like if metallica is apolitical as it arguably should be and the members of the band are outspoken that's fine you know like it's one thing when someone like i don't know like Take Bob Dylan. If Bob Dylan had an active Twitter and was, you know, still alive, you know, like, he'd be a, a very vocal... <laughs> dude, this is Bob Dylan erasure, dude. <laughs> he, it, w- it would be a very vocal political Twitter. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily make his entity completely political. And, you know, Lacuna Coil putting their band into that political realm is fine if they want to do that, but they, they do need to take a side. Okay. Because people aren't going to stand for that. No, look, I agree. But do you know what I don't agree with? What? What don't you agree Travis with? Barker being in everything. <sighs> yeah, it's... It dude, is disheartening. Like, this dude this dude is just like the most popular like team-up artist with anyone in the hip-hop or rap world. I don't get it. 
he has that background and he wants to show um he wants to show it off, man. That's it. That's all it is. Tom was the better drummer. Or no, just John. I don't know. The, I, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know the fucking blink. I don't know the blink lore. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm. You mean, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I cannot um. sleep. I cannot drink. Not. Oh my god. I listened. Okay, this is off topic. But I listened to a Fall Out Boy track because it was playing on my radio before I went on air. And oh man. I was like, this is what Fall Out Boy sounds like that isn't the singles. Because honestly, I've never really took a, taken a dive into the Fall Out Boy um, without listening to like the big singles. Like, um, I don't know, Thanks for the Memories or whatever the fuck. Whatever uh-huh. Fall Out Boy song you love. Um, but like, <laughs> it was bad, but it was like, there were there was like... There was two separate sections of the song. It was a very... I don't exactly remember the track. But it was like a really... Um, really pop-punky emo track. Um, that kind of burst into like... Not a deathcore track, but I guess a modern metal track. With like, you know, a heavy scream over the whole thing. While they're doing the, you know, whatever. It was just... It was a, it was a very big shock to me. To hear what I non-single fallout voice sounded like. And I thought that that had some relevance to the Travis Barker discussion. I also I I saw I I saw that that horrible <laughs> horrible tagline. Um, yeah. Uh, we can dude, read it. We can talk about dude, that. Dude, why does Michael Stripper of Stripper <laughs> or, or is it Striper. 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 Thinks it's only a matter of time until the Bible is canceled, dude. I'm I'm done. <laughs> what do you What do you think? What do you think about that? You... The Bible's already been canceled. <laughs> we need um, freedom of speech in this, <laughs> dude. Yeah. We literally live in 1984. Yeah, we do. Oh my we god, do. I I hate I hate I hate vocal chud rock conservatives. Shut Shut the fuck up, okay? Yeah. You don't have a victim complex. No one's trying to oppress you. They do have a victim complex, well, but yes, no one is trying to oppress you. You're not a victim. Yes. Oh, uh. it's, just, it's so gross. Mm-hmm. Like, and, oh, I assume that was in response to Dr. Seuss thing. Like, spoiler alert, we probably shouldn't be selling children's books, which depicts Jews. I'm Jewish. I can say that. Asian people <laughs> and African-American people. As, yeah. you know, subhuman or depicts them with racial stereotypes because then that's going to inform your four-year-old's, de- you know, development. Like, this isn't rocket science, people. <laughs> There's a yeah. fine line between advocating for conservative beliefs and advocating for racial bigotry. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's it's bad, but people will, chud rockers will chud rock, dude. Dude, if I were a liberal, by Stane's <laughs> frontman. Five Finger Death Punch made money off of that track and that music. Video, Dude, we're so. all living the dream. We're all just living the dream. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some new music. We can, we can break away from the news topic today. Um, like I said, new Drake dropping tonight. For anyone that cares, I don't. Dude, rap Drake or pop Drake? I have no idea. It, yeah. Who cares? 
Uh, new Wolfheart EP coming out tomorrow uh, on Napalm. Ooh, I, yeah. I, I, I just saw. I just. I just saw that. So I, I thought I would. Um, I thought I'd mention it. Um, as for better and more underground releases coming out tomorrow, um, I'm sure that's quite. I feel a like few. not too much is dropping. Not too much. You're right. Wolvenust um, based. Mork, Mork is um has been hyped up quite a bit. Mork is a abominable putridity. Um, there's a Belgian group called um, Koldovstvo that I um, I've there's a couple of singles that I think are pretty good. It's like it's super duper lo-fi black metal. Like like it, it's even like quiet. Um, <laughs> like it, it, it's to the point where it's quiet, uh, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, they're dropping their debut tomorrow. Um, yeah, new Mork uh, coming out. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? I really don't even have that much. Nightfall, I have to, I have to add a knife. Um, Psalm. Endless funeral. Black knife. Yeah. Thorium. Nightfall. Based. Wolven. Oh, Flesh of the Stars are dropping an EP. Yep. Yep. I like. Yep. I like Flesh of the Stars. Um, Acid Mammoth. They had a pretty good album last year. They're dropping a new one tomorrow too. Yeah, no, I love their their logo. Yes, it's 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 very cool. Um, <sighs> let's see, let's see some other stuff, perhaps. Um, oh, Adam, dude, all I'm saying, don't waste your time on me. You're already the voice <laughs> inside my head. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not too too much coming out tomorrow. Last week was big release week, so. Um, definitely check out. That's the... it. We doing an Architects cast instead of Blackwater Park or what? <laughs> we'll see what happens. But this has been the PM Metal Guy podcast. Still life. Album. Still, still life. Still life. Good. I'm, uh, I'm Sam. That's Adam. Next week we're talking about the best goddamn metal album of the past twenty years. Blackwater Park. Yep. Anthony Fantano. Forever.